So who's loving the book of John? Yeah. I love the book of John. It's probably one of my favourite books in the Bible. Um, and then there's Romans and there's Hebrews and there's Matthew and there's Luke and the list goes on. But um, John's one of my favourites. And it's funny that I, that I say that John's one of my favourites because John, is, if he was here now, he'd probably be an Aussie. Um, Aussies love a nickname. John loved the nickname. And he thought he was Jesus' favourite to the point where he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And several times through the book of John, through his gospel that he wrote, he refers to uh, Peter was here, uh, Matthew was there, and the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then at the end of the book, he says, by the way, I'm that guy. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> now, Aussies, when we give each other a nickname, firstly, we, we never think of a nickname for ourselves. It's always got to be your mate who puts one on you. Um, but John's trying here, and it's got to be short and sharp and catchy, and I'm not too sure about the disciple whom Jesus loved, but you've got to give the guy props. And Jesus came, he declared... Jono, that'd be a good one. <laughs> Jesus came and he declared that he loved the world, and yet, and probably more than anyone before Jesus and anyone who's come after, he demonstrated love for humanity more than anyone else. But John, who was one of the 12, one of his closest friends, he can say, no, 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 guys, <laughs> he loved the world. Yeah, I get that. But he loved me more. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. And it's, it's because of John's passion. In week one, when Bron introduced this series to us, she, she talked about uh, John's gospel being the passionate gospel. And it, it really is. Um, Luke wrote a gospel and, and he was a physician. He was a doctor. And he wrote with surgical precision the things that happened. Um, Mark's an action guy. He'd be doing blockbuster Hollywood movies if he was around now. And then this happened, and then Jesus did that, and then we went here. Mark's gospel's a real, a real, and then, and then, and then gospel. And uh, and Matthew was, um, he wrote for a Jewish audience, and and his his gospel, Matthew's gospel, is is really uh, explaining to the Jews what's going on here with Jesus turning up. But John, John just wrote about uh, the humanity that was in Jesus, as well as the divinity that was in Jesus. John wrote about the things that happened in between that just pointed to Jesus as a man, Jesus as a friend, Jesus as the person who would go out of his way to meet with people and to bless people. And so John's gospel, it's just great. Um, I love John's gospel. And I was thinking about it. Um, John felt that he had a close and special relationship with Jesus above and beyond everybody else. And I think it's because of his passion that Jesus probably did want to have him close by. I've got three sons and they're all passionate guys. They're all adults now. And I know that, that if I'm having a glass of wine with them, we're, we're in the moment. We're talking about the glass of wine. If we're watching a footy game, we're in the moment. They're so passionate, my sons, that they just draw out more than what I could draw out on my own of every situation. And I really think John was like that. And I really think that's why Jesus just liked to have him close by. So John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I hope you're enjoying this, this five days a week. We've got a little snippet on the, on the Northwest app, um, a daily devotional, and Kerry's been putting them up on, on Facebook as well to make them more accessible. And um, if you don't have access to that, come and see Kerry or I after the service, and I'm sure we can find a way to, um, to link you in with these daily devotionals we're doing as we go through the book of John. This week we're into week three. Uh, last week in our daily devotionals we looked at, um, I think, five, six, seven, eight, nine chapters. 
Um, and, and this week we're going to start looking at, at um, 10, 11, 12, 13. And next week we get into John 14 and John 15 and John 16 and John 17 and hang on <laughs> for the ride because by the time you get into, into John 14 and beyond, Jesus, was, Jesus had a few short moments left on earth before he was going to go to the cross. And he crammed about 20 years of teaching <laughs> into some conversations he had um, in his last night before he was arrested. And, and there's just so much gold in John 14 and 15 and, and, and 16 and 17. So it'll blow your hair back. But yeah, look, this morning we're going we're gonna to have a look probably at the middle part of John. Um, but to do that, first I want to go back to the start. So can I just have that second slide, thanks. Yeah. Let's go right back to John 1.1. Now I said John liked a nickname. And I said before we make him an honorary Aussie, he might have to work on his, on his nicknaming skills. Well, here we're going to see in John 1, he refers to Jesus as the word. I don't know if I'm supposed to make a gang symbol or something when I say word, <laughs> but that's an awesome nickname. That was great. The, the word, thank you. Like that, <laughs> like that is it. Exactly. Thanks. It's supposed to be a W. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, let's, let's have a look at John 1, 1 and 1, 2. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then if we jump down to verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word. That's a cool nickname, the word. But it's so much more than just a cool nickname. I've been thinking about it. It's actually the perfect way to begin a gospel account of Jesus. In the beginning was the word. It's, it's an odd statement. In the beginning was what? A, a document? In the beginning was an idea? In the beginning was a book? What is this? What's this word? And then we see the word was God and the word was with God. So we see that the two are almost indistinguishable. We've got God in the beginning and we've got this word in the beginning. And the word was God and the word was with God. So there's two things going on here. And at the same time, they're one. And when you think about it, someone's words define what's going on in their heart. In uh, Luke 6.45, Jesus says, For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks, referring to us people. Our words are a reflection of our heart. And God's words are a reflection of, of his heart. And this word is this outward working of God's heart. And even if you've never set foot inside a church before today, I'm sure you've heard that Jesus claimed to be the son of God. And in this opening part of the book, um, John's confirming that. He's introducing us to Jesus as the son of God. Verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So John's beginning to form this idea in his book that firstly Jesus is the word. In other words, Jesus is this, this representation of God. Representation of God's character. And he's also confirming that, that this Jesus is the son of God and he's come and made his dwelling among us. It's the word become flesh. John's saying this is different from any other man who's come before. He was God. 
He was part of God. He was, he was with God since the beginning. And then this part of God became flesh, turned up as a human and made his home among us. And John's outlaying all of this for us in these opening statements. And I just think, I just think it's amazing. And when you come in stone cold at it, it does sound like a bit of an odd reference to refer to Jesus as the word. But when you get comfortable with it, it's in fact an incredible description of who Jesus is. I reckon it perfectly describes him. Describes this concept that Jesus was with God from the beginning. God's word was with him from the beginning. Because this word's part of him. And if Jesus is the word, then Jesus is equally a part of God. When he came to earth, he reflected God's word in flesh. I just think it's beautiful imagery. It's so symbolic. It's this peace of God. And these, these words were given life. Life was breathed into them and he was able to represent God on earth for us all. I love it. And so what John's trying to conclude from this is there's God the Father and there's Jesus the Son. And they're, they're together. They're, they're inseparable, but at the same time they are a separate part. And that's not easy to, to wrap our heads around. Um, and I imagine for the first century Jews when Jesus was walking around on the earth it would have been even harder for them to, to, to reconcile in their minds. And so when we put the the word God and the word word together, and we think the word of God, what do we think of? We think of this. We think of the Bible, right? The word of God. And so Jesus is the word of God. God's character, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's mercy, God's provision. Jesus is that in flesh. The Bible in flesh. Everything that God has has had recorded in history and remember this when Jesus arrived it was only the Old Testament that, that the, um, the people had to hold on to the New Testament hadn't been written yet but the New Testament had been written in God's heart because the word is complete and was complete since the beginning Jesus just came to be the fulfilment of those things that were destined for us and for the world and so when we think about what's in that word of God his character revealed to us. It's a love story written for humanity. It's a love story written for you. It's a love story written for me. It's nourishment for our souls. It's food for us to feed on. Jesus talks about that as well. He talks about his flesh being food for us to feed on. And what he means is that we have to, we have to be a part of him. We have to partake of Jesus to have our lives wrapped up in his life to unlock all of the things that he promised for us. And so Jesus came with several things that he wanted to, um, to achieve while he was here on earth. Can I grab that next slide? Thanks. Slide three. Thanks, Steve. And as we look at this book of John, we see that Jesus is continuously representing the Father. He's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God's like, just look at me. And so he's continuously representing the Father. Again and again, no matter what the audience, he's revealing God's character. 
And he's also here to glorify the Father. And we're going to look at that this morning as well. Jesus' mission on earth was to, was to glorify God, was to point to God. And the third thing he came to do was to defeat sin and death. We've already sung about that this morning. So let's take a look at these three aspects of Jesus' ministry. In the book of Luke, we were introduced to Jesus' ministry with three specific events. If you go through Luke, the first thing that announced Jesus' ministry was he was baptised in the River Jordan. And heaven opened up and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son whom I love. And with you I'm well pleased. And that was the first announcement that Jesus' ministry was starting. And that straight after that he was, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And then, oh, I'm saying straight after that, but after that, the third announcement of his ministry was um, Jesus went to Nazareth and he stood up in the synagogue. He was given the scroll of Isaiah and he, he opened the scroll of Isaiah to um, what we refer to as chapter 61. And he read these words out The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And this particular scripture would have been a well-known favourite for the Jews because as well as these promises that Jesus read, it also talks about God's vengeance. It talks about God coming to set the Israelites free from oppression and to set them up um, as, as wealthy and renowned throughout the world. And so this is what the Jews were expecting when the Messiah came, that the Messiah was going to come with vengeance, that the Messiah was going to defeat the Romans, that the Messiah was going to set the kingdom of Israel up um, as this wealthy nation. But Jesus unrolls the scroll and he says he's, been, he's going to preach good news to the poor. He's going to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. He's going to release the oppressed and he's going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then he says to the crowd as he sits down, this is fulfilled in your hearing today. So what he's saying is this, this um, passage that was written in Isaiah about one to come, I'm he, that's me. And that was him announcing his ministry. And then throughout the book of John, we see in all of Jesus' actions, he's revealing God's character. In all of his actions, he's glorifying God. And in all of his actions and all of his words, he's letting humanity know that he's here to save us. <clears throat> and so let's take a look at his first ministry mission. Jesus revealing God's character. This past week in our daily devotions, we've looked at, like I said before, five, six, seven, eight, nine chapters um, from John. And now we're going to look at 10 through to 13 this week. And I haven't got time to crack the Bible open and go through all of the examples in all of those scriptures from last week and from this week as to where Jesus reveals God's character. But what I'm encouraging you to do this week, as you read through these, these daily devotionals and as you read through the, the, the chapters um, 10 through to 13, just look for Jesus revealing God's character. Just look for every, every word that he said, every action that he took, is letting 
the people at the time know what God was really like. He was God in human form. He was the word become flesh. And he was the character of God in human skin. In John 5.19, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus is saying, whatever you see me do is what I've seen God doing. Whatever you hear me say is what I've heard my father say. In John 6.38, Jesus says, For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I don't want to spoil next week's teaching, but in John 14, Jesus has a lot to say about his reflection of the Father's character. But I'll just steal this one line from John 14, 7. Jesus said, If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And Jesus is assuring us that he is the perfect representation of God. And if we've seen the Son, we've seen the Father. So this week, as we continue to read the book of John, how about we consider that everything we read and learn about the character of Jesus is a perfect representation of God the Father. Sometimes it can be easy to understand the character of Jesus because there's so much written about him in such a short space in these four Gospels. But it can be, it can be more difficult to understand the character of this mysterious God who's been there from the beginning and there's so much written about God. Sometimes it can be confusing to try and work out what is the character of God. And so what we can trust is that when we see the character of Jesus, we see the character of God. When we see the Son, we've seen the Father. And it's really important that we understand the character of God. It's really important for us, each of us individually. Because when something comes our way to make us question, well, is God really good? Is God angry at me? Um, is, is, is God who he says he is? Has God left me? Then the enemy's just going to pounce on that, right? We know that. We know that, that any doubts we have in our mind about the character of God, the enemy will just exploit that. And so the book of John is just such a wonderful resource to guarantee to us that Jesus is the perfect reflection of the Father. And God's far better than we could ever imagine. And this was a real challenge for the Jews at the time of Jesus. They were looking for their Messiah. They had preconceived ideas of what the character of God was like. The Jewish religious leaders, they'd exploited this system of rules and laws and turned it into this ridiculous religion that was weighing people down. It was in fact replacing the need to have a relationship with God. It was totally misrepresenting God's character. And many of the Jews, we read in the, in the Gospels account, particularly in John, many of the Jews thought that Jesus was, was, I guess, a breath of fresh air and they put their faith in him. And the Jewish religious leaders struggled with who Jesus was and, and what he was saying and what he was claiming to be, who he was claiming to be. And in their defence, I guess, false prophets had come before, um, claimed to be the Messiah and, and, and not delivered. And so I guess um, with the responsibility of, of looking after their flock, the Jewish leaders, I guess, had to interrogate Jesus' character. But at the end of the day, 
they were they were the ones who put him to death, um, and, and that was that was required in order for Jesus to save us. And so, while they were offended, they were also fulfilling Scripture at the same time. But our takeaway from this first mission point that Jesus' ministry was to reveal God's character. Our takeaway is that we can trust who Jesus is. We can trust that he was who he said he was. And if we can trust the character of Jesus, we can trust the character of God because he's a perfect reflection. And the second facet of Jesus' ministry was to glorify the Father. Again, we could read through parts of John's Gospel this morning and tease out examples from every story where we see Jesus glorifying the Father. But we don't have time to do that. But I encourage you this week, as you continue to read through the book of John, just look for all the examples where Jesus would do something amazing and glorify the Father through that. Jesus performed seven miracles that are recorded in John's Gospel. And most of those, most of those miracles were an opportunity for, for the crowds to be amazed and for the, an opportunity for the religious leaders to condemn Jesus for what he'd done. And every single time, Jesus turns the spotlight away from himself and glorifies the Father because that was his mission. His mission was to glorify the Father. In John 7, we read an account of people being amazed at the teaching of Jesus when he taught at one of the religious festivals. He was teaching in the temple's courts. And in John 7:16, Jesus says, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. He humbly deflects the praise directed at him. And beginning at next week, we'll dive into John 14 onwards and Jesus has a whole lot more to say about the glory of God the Father and Jesus' mission to glorify God through his acts of service on earth. But this week, we'll see threads of Jesus glorifying God running through everything we read in John 10 to 13. And interestingly, next week, when we get into John 14 and onwards, we also see Jesus explaining that God's eternal plan was set up in order to glorify Jesus. And so, so God, God um, sent Jesus to earth in order for him to be glorified. And whilst Jesus is on earth, he's glorifying the Father. And again, it's just a symbol of that perfect relationship that God and Jesus had with each other. The two are one, yet the two are separate at the same time each glorifying each other, living in perfect love. And then the third facet of Jesus' ministry was to save the world by living a perfect life and dying as a spotless, innocent lamb. Jesus took our place and fulfilled the requirements of blood being spilled to cover sin. We could never atone for our own sins Jesus, the perfect man sent from the Father, fully human and fully God, he was enough to pay the price once and for all, for all sin, for all humanity. And then by his resurrection, which defeated death, Jesus made a way for us to receive eternal life. His perfect death and conquering the grave, that's our story. We're redeemed by his actions that he undertook in our place. And we know this because we live on this side of the cross. And the book of John passionately reveals this part of Jesus' mission, beginning with the claims Jesus made about himself before his crucifixion. Many times Jesus claims to be the light of the world. He claims to be the son of man, the resurrection and the life. He announced he would lay his life down and die. 
only to take it up again. He declared that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. He declared that God had given all of us to him and that everyone who believes in him will be saved. And just like many of his other claims, these declarations also polarised the Jews. There were those who believed and put their faith in him and there were those who didn't believe his claims and who hated him for it, enough to kill him. And maybe you're familiar with Jesus' claims to be our saviour and you've put your trust in him fully and maybe you believe in God but are yet to fully understand that faith in Jesus is the only way to be with the Father. And perhaps you're somewhere in between, maybe you've wandered away from Jesus. This week as we read through John, no matter where you are, we can all take stock of what Jesus claimed about himself and draw out these life-giving words. During one of the religious feasts, Jesus stood up in the crowd in a loud voice. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that on its own is good news for all of us. And it's also a daily choice. No matter where we're at and what we believe, no matter what we're unsure about, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Can I get the next slide, please, Steve? Number four. So let's close this out. Jesus had a mission to fulfil while he was here on earth. He came to reveal God's character through his words and actions. He came to glorify God and he came to save the lost. And then after his death and resurrection, he was talking with his disciples and he gave them this great commission. As Jesus was preparing to return to heaven, he commissioned his disciples to carry on this work. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And every believer today, in 2022, we have a part to play in this great commission. We're God's plan A to reach a thirsty and a broken world. And our great commission has three important parts. With our words and actions, we reveal God's character. Does that sound familiar? With our words and actions, we glorify God. And with our words and actions, we tell the good news of the Saviour Jesus to the world. Our ministry is to continue the, the work of Jesus. And the book of John gives us such great tools to continue this ministry. If we're called to reveal God's character to those around us, we find God's character revealed in Jesus in the book of John. There are so many characteristics of God that followers of Jesus ought to model. Patience, love, humility, generosity. Some of these are easy and some of these are challenging. But just as Jesus wasn't on his own, we too, we're not on our own. As we continue to seek Jesus and allow him to disciple us, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And as we continue to seek Jesus, we're led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. If patience is a struggle for me, I can pray and ask for patience. And like Dan said before, that can be a dangerous prayer because I have to be mindful that when I pray for patience, God's going to send someone really irritating into my life. <laughs> Not just to be ironic, but to help me learn patience because that's what I asked for. It's a dangerous prayer. 
Don't be surprised if you pray for a greater capacity to love people that God places you in the middle of unlovely people. But remember, he's filled you with his Holy Spirit. Gives you all the tools you need to grow in that area. Following Jesus is supposed to look like something. Jesus called us to love one another. And he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. And our ministry is also to glorify God. In every situation, we have the opportunity to give God the glory. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, and that's here and now, the Holy Spirit has come, that we'll be capable of doing what Jesus did. Jesus was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. As we take up our cross and we follow him, we not only become more like him, we receive power from the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus did. And just like Jesus, everything we do points to the Father and glorifies the Father. I've said it before, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like being given a master key that unlocks every cupboard in the storehouse of heaven. All of heaven's resources are are, are, are available to us when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But the only way the key works is if we're willing to give it all away. The only way the key works to open the storehouse of heaven is if we don't access those cupboards to glorify ourselves. We open those cupboards to give it all away and to give God all the glory. We point away from ourselves and we point to the Father. And the final part of our ministry is to spread the good news. The Bible is full of good news. But if we only concentrated on the book of John, we'd have sufficient words to tell the good news of Jesus to the world. What's the most famous gospel verse? John 3.16. You see the signs waved up at football matches and Olympics and that sort of stuff. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. God sent his only son to live a perfect life, to be falsely accused of sin and to be put to death. God bankrupted heaven. He sacrificed his most precious gift to pay for the sins of the world. Jesus was obedient in his mission. He willingly gave his own life and he endured the suffering for you and me. That's the gospel. That's all there in the book of John. Jesus taught that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the good news. The gospel that saves. That's what Chris and Wendy are going to Uganda to spread the good news to the thirsty and the hungry. Our mission is to tell the world that Jesus saves. Our mission is not to save the world. Our mission is to share the good news. And if you look at the, at the three things that Pastor Daz and Pastor Bron from Tamworth have given us for this year, the three things as we stand firm in 2022 that we want to focus on, can you remember it was go, it was gather and it was grow. 2022 we're going to focus on how we go. Now, what's going? Going, sharing the gospel. We're going to focus on how we gather. What do we do when we gather? We glorify God. And we're going to focus on how we grow. And when we grow, we grow more in God's character. And his character is revealed more and more to us. So in 2022, as we go about our mission of revealing God's character to the world, of glorifying God, 
and of sharing the good news. As we focus on how we go, how we gather, how we grow. We're fulfilling the Great Commission and John is the platform we stand on. It's no coincidence that we're studying this book at the moment. Why don't you stand to your feet? Thank you for your patience with me this morning. And before I hand back to Dan, I'm just going um, to pray for us all. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you came to earth in human skin, Lord. You came to earth as an innocent baby, Lord, and you made your dwelling among us. Thank you, Lord, that your word became flesh in the embodiment of Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that the Gospels recorded Jesus' perfect life. They recorded his mission, Lord, which was to glorify you, Lord, to reveal your character to humanity and to save the world. And so, Lord, where we are here positioned now, in our workplaces, in our families, Lord, amongst our circles of friends, in this northwest region, Lord, in this city of Armadale, you are calling us, Lord, firstly, to be in a relationship with you. Firstly, to call on the name of Jesus and be saved. And to grow, to become more like you, Lord, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to be filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be sanctified through that refining fire that takes us the rest of our lives, Lord until we go to be with you in glory, Lord, in eternity. And so, Lord, we thank you for the book of John. We thank you for these resources that have been given to us to continue to study this book for these next few weeks, Lord, and we don't take this lightly. We thank you that in home groups all around Armadale this week, Lord, that, that we're able to study these resources, Lord, and learn more about your character as the perfect father. And so, Lord, in everything we do this week, Lord, may we reveal your character to this thirsty and broken world, Lord. May we glorify your name, Father. And may we share the good news of the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection to a, to a broken world, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.